All right, Adam, do you know um, if anybody's definitely gonna join us that's not on already? We're probably safe to get started. I'll keep my eye on the participant list to bring people in. Great. Uh, well, we'll start with um, just a really quick update that Rebecca has for us about surveys. Um, we, last time we talked, I think we gave a, a brief update on the surveys as well. Um, we had we had some goals set for how many surveys we wanted to collect per route to achieve statistical significance. And there was uh, still a little bit for, for several routes. Uh, well, we realized, first of all, that for the KU routes, we probably weren't going to get it um, because of, you know, the break, summer break. Um, and for the city routes, we were close on some routes. We achieved statistical significance overall, but but not um, by route. So we went out and did some additional surveying. And Rebecca, you want to walk us sure. through where we are now? Yes, yeah. So in terms of total survey responses, we have 585. And this spreadsheet, which I hope that you can see on your screen, um, shows the responses by route. So after that additional um, outreach, we have started to meet more of the sample size, like statistical significant um, numbers. So we have that for routes three, four, seven, um, 10, 11, and 27. Um, so that's good. And we still continue to have um, a significant amount of total responses. So that's great as well. And I believe since some of these are so close, I believe that the team is thinking about doing a little bit more outreach to see if we can just bump these over the edge. Right. So that's true. So we've got, we've reopened the digital survey so that we can get, um, KU started classes this week so we can try to put, make a push on that angle to try to get students involved and, and get some more of those KU routes. And then I know we've got our a few members of our first transit team doing paper survey outreach on bus routes that we're, that we're close on, try to push us over the edge on some of these. Yep. <clears throat> um, and Margaret, I, do you have any updates on your efforts at KU to, to get the survey out a bit more? I made a writer alert with a QR code, that QR code from the paper survey, and Ginger got them all posted on our buses on Saturday so that they would be up when classes started yesterday. So maybe we want to look online and see if anybody's bothered to fill it out, but we've had a couple of tabling opportunities, and so we've been telling people about it. Right. Um, pointing them towards that QR code so that it's easy for them to access. And hopefully a few people are filling it out. I have no idea what, I don't have access to Lawrence Listens, so I don't have any way to actually know if it's working. Right. But, but we did put it up. Well, thanks. Thanks for all the effort and Ginger also, thanks. So um, we'll hope for the best. Um, so that's kind of a good segue um, into the discussion about our future future meetings. So tonight we're going to be talk, talking about the route profiles. Once again, we'll talk about the KU routes, but then our next scheduled meeting on the 28th, um, the topic of discussion will be the feedback that we're hearing from, um, from the surveys and from the public meetings we've had up to now. <clears throat> so that'll be the topic on the 28th. Um, our next meeting in October, um, I'd like to discuss that one as well, because um, we have generally the meetings are scheduled toward the end of every month, but we're 
kind of getting closer to the end than to the beginning of this project. So we want to make sure that we have enough time to give everybody um, feedback an opportunity to give feedback on some of the key um, items, including the scenarios that we're going to be developing as our next step. Um, so we're going through now and talking through route by route, but then after that, the next step is to start building two, two, two kind of redesign, two preliminary redesign scenarios. So we'd like to um, propose having the October meeting um, earlier in the month, either instead of or in addition to a, a later meeting. Um, so one date that uh, Adam and I have been talking about is October 5th. And so I just wanted to check to see how people feel about having a meeting the evening of October 5th to talk about service scenarios. Any objections to that one? Uh, this is Gary Weber. I'll be on vacation until October 18th. Okay. Um, city commission nights, so that might might interfere. Right. Um, is that? Uh, does anybody else have concerns about city commission meeting that night? Just for a little context, one of our concerns is we're we're looking at October as a really good month to have service scenarios available for the public and lots of public input, engagement, and meetings, and that type of thing, particularly because that's a good month for students. There's fall break, but other than that, there's um, it's a good time to try to engage with students. So we, we'd like this group to see those draft service scenarios before we're pushing everything out to the public. So just for a little context, that's, kind of, that's why we're trying to look at some earlier times in this in October. Right. And then to add just one additional wrinkle to scheduling, um, my wife is actually pregnant and she's due in October. So um, that could happen on the 5th. She's, she's due, she's scheduled, well, every, we've been told it'll be later in October, but you never know. So um, if it happens to be early in October, um, Adam and I were talking about maybe scheduling, just getting two dates on everybody's calendars, the 5th and the 12th. Um, October 5th, October 12th, in case one, in case the 5th doesn't work out, and we'll, then we'll have to do it on, on the 12th. Um, so I guess tentatively, the way we'll do that is we'll send out both meeting invites. And if, you know, the 5th doesn't work out, then we'll, we'll move to the 12th. That hey, Boris, just to let you know, and I know you're just talking about October, but I, I sent this to Adam. Uh, the December 28th meeting, uh, KU is closed. Our office will be closed. Uh, so that would be me, Margretta, and probably Max, wherever Max is at. So just an FYI. So. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So we may need to reschedule the December meeting as well. All right. Well, so that's, that's I think, the plan. So I think Adam will send out two meeting notices for October. Um, I just maybe get a pulse on the group. I mean, another option is to do a larger, you know, looking at a lot of dates and times in October and doing kind of a doodle poll. I know that when we originally were setting up a consistent meeting time for this group, there's just so many people <laughs> that it's a, it's a challenge with all of our schedules to find the perfect time anyways. So part of the thinking was like, let's just stick on Tuesday nights, even though it does conflict with 
city commission, um, at least it's the general time that some of us are available. But I guess if there's a number of you who are interested in me opening it up to a larger degree, we can also do that. I guess I'll pause if there's any interest in that. And if there's silence, I will be sending out invites for the 5th and the 12th. Adam, if everybody's fine, that's fine. I mean, uh, I'm not calling the ambulance, but my kids got football practice on Tuesday and Wednesday night, so I'm I'm missing that. But that's those practices were set up after we set this up. If you're entertaining a new date, that's great with me. If it's not, we'll stay with Tuesdays. Okay. All right. Well, um, so let's move on to the route profiles. Um, hopefully everybody got the packet with the KU routes. So I'm gonna share my screen and we can begin uh, talking through those, um, beginning with route 11. So actually we'll, we'll cover the um, KU routes as well as the um, coordinated routes. So, okay, can everybody see my screen? Yeah, okay, great. So we'll begin with um, 11. So Route 11 provides the provides crosstown service um, between downtown Lawrence and the South Iowa Street Retail Corridor. Um, it also serves KU. Um, it's It has good, easy to remember clock phase frequencies, um, multiple transfer opportunities, um, downtown and on campus, um, as well as a few down on, in the Iowa Street uh, corridor. Um, it has very it has strong ridership with several trips carrying more than 40 passengers, um, and it does operate on Saturdays, which is a plus as well. Some of the weaknesses, however, um, if somebody is trying to get kind of end to end on this route and they have a destination other than KU, then it requires a somewhat circuitous alignment through KU before. Uh, a passenger is able to get to their final destination. Um, there is potential overcrowding um, on on this route uh, based on the ridership patterns that, we, that we're seeing with uh, trips exceeding 40 passengers. Um, I'm not sure that's an, that's an issue, but there's a, there's a potential for that. Um, there's also one-way service segments on both ends. So downtown, there's a, a big one-way loop. Um, and then there's also one-way service down down here where you have the reserve apartments. So um, buses on the south end kind of circulate through Walmart, Target, and then they end up at the reserve. But then the, the, the trip continues northbound in Iowa. So it doesn't return the way it came. So some uh, one-way one -way service there. So um, a couple of recommendations that we have potentially here. One is to consider a higher service frequency on the route during peak ridership periods because it is carrying so many passengers, um, more than 40 passengers on, on many trips with an average, uh, let's see, 50, about 15 on average, but there are certain trips during peak periods with more than 40 passengers. Um, another idea is to split the route into two with both both routes ending at the new Bob Billings hub. So for example, um, from the South Iowa Street Corridor, uh, the route maybe wouldn't circulate through KU. It, it would rather end at the Bob Billings facility and then people would transfer there to one of several routes um, with fast and frequent service onto campus. And then um, same sort of same thing from downtown, uh, the, the route could end at, um, at the Bob Billings facility. Um, and then the last 
recommendation that we had was to turn the bus around on Nieder Road to reduce one-way service. That's down here. Um, we've th this is in the profile, but but we, since that was written, we've come to understand that this would actually be very difficult to do um, for several reasons. Um, buses would have to make an unprotected left turn. Um, there's issues with operating on this driveway in front of the target. So it's in there, but but probably not not doable. So I guess really the the one of the main discussion items is splitting this route into two um, with Bob Billings as as the hub for both routes. So any thoughts on that? This is August Brutus. So I really like that idea. I've ridden the 11 before and it is kind of like an, a, a backup route for most people because it does go through campus. So there's no quick way to get to south part of town. But if it ended at, if it terminated at Bob Billings and then you would take another one to South Iowa, I think it'd be great. Okay. Very good. Okay. Any other thoughts on this route before we move on? All right, so. Um, hey, Boris, I just want to generally reset the context. Just, I know a lot of folks were here last time, but just as a reminder, this is time to brainstorm things that we want to change or new ideas for routes. Um, you know, these, these pieces all get put together uh, towards service scenario. So I just want to inspire the group to be thinking that way. Uh, this is really the time for some of those interesting ideas to come forward. Okay. Carol Bowen here. Um, I wanted to get back to that target discussion for a minute because as a pedestrian and especially ADA, dropping a passenger off on the outside of that parking lot and having them negotiate an entire parking lot is not safe. Um, that's, yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. Um, I, I guess maybe we can get some feedback from uh, Lawrence Transit staff on that because I, I I understand that this so so we have a few options I mean we we could continue on 33rd street but then we end up in a private driveway in this apartment there's a gate actually here as well so that's not feasible um, there is potentially an option well really there's very few options so so you know I'm not sure how we could improve it other than operating right in front of target, but I, I've been advised that that's, that's also not ideal. So um, I'd love, you know, if anyone else wants to weigh in. What about that short part of the drive um, from 31st to the building? From 31st, so from- Is that, oh no, no, then I'm on the wrong one, the, the next one. I can't see it very well. Okay, so this is 31st. You mean this thirty third oh, street to the to the building, right? So this driveway here that that was actually my I that was the recommendation I kind of had in mind when I wrote the idea of turning the bus around um, like this rather than going to the reserve, which is here. Um, but I've been advised that this is not a safe operating environment through here. So um, if if anyone has any insight, please feel free. The way in. Just this um, is August. This is August So I just have concerns. There's a lot of traffic now that Casey's is open there at 31st and Eater. The number of the amount of traffic has almost tripled at that intersection at 31st and Eater. Mm -hmm. And your concern there is is with buses coming out or right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, this is signalized. I believe is it not? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. 
And think, Boris, Boris, real quick, just when you were talking about the drive in front of Target, that's also private, right? That's Target's property. And so we would have to go to them to even get approval to even just attempt to drive through there. And I don't know how keen they would be on that. Mm -hmm. I was going to add that we have concerns about tearing up their asphalt because we know from on campus and other parts of town, if you take a bus on asphalt that was not built to hold a bus, you will destroy it very quickly, especially where the buses start and stop. And so that would be a significant expense to target if we start bringing buses, hit 40 foot, 30,000 pound vehicles through there on a regular basis. Just so you know what some of our concerns are about that section, it, it would be great to be able to go through there, but, but we would have to do a lot of work to make that doable. Yeah, this, I mean, this is a challenge. We'll have to brainstorm some more about this. I mean, it's, it's definitely a destination worth serving. Um, maybe, you know, this is, this is sort of premature, but but maybe there's an an option some to to, to loop this into some sort of demand response zone that, that maybe serves some of the single family residents through here. So rather than bringing the fixed route through here at all, maybe the the, the challenge with bringing the fixed route through here is you really can only do it in one direction because you can't make a left turn from Nieder back onto 33rd. This is not signalized. So that's not a that's not a safe turn. So the way it is now, you either do this loop as a one way, and then you know either serve reserve or do something else. But it's really difficult to, to provide bi-directional service through through here. Um, so we'll have to really think about that some more. But um, what about? Um, I'm assuming that's that's right of way along 33rd Street, where the little bushes are and the grass and whatnot. Can yes. we? Can we make some way to pull a, bu a bus off the street onto that? So if, I mean, I what suppose- What is it called, a bump, or bump out or bump in or something? Sure, yeah. I mean, I suppose that the issue here, even if you had a pullout for the bus, it would have to turn around. So unless there was a roundabout built here that could accommodate a bus, that would be a big challenge. Um, I like the idea of a roundabout out here. I'm not sure how feasible that is, but any? Um, well, I do think, <laughs> I, I, I very much agree with Carol's frustrations. We have the same frustrations having to be that far away from a building part of it. I mean, we, we've talked through some of the challenges with the road network in the area and kind of what we can access and what we can turn around on. Um, Part, I mean, this isn't a satisfying answer, but part of this discussion is, is land use decisions, right? So ideally that whole target private area would have been flipped and we would have put the building close to meter and the parking lot behind. But unfortunately that's not the way it was built. Um, so it's something we certainly hope changes in future development, but we are, there's, there are constraints, I guess, to how we, how we turn around out here and how we do it safely and on, on public right away. Adam, I mean, one thing we could do, I mean, just to check is we can, we could call Target to just see if the, that front access is concrete or if it's asphalt, number one. I don't know which one it is. I assume it's asphalt, but I don't know. But if it is concrete, then, you know, what's, we could ask them 
hey, would you, what would you guys think about a bus coming in here? And if they said, yeah, I mean, then if you had concrete with their approval, that might change things. Um, so that's worth a conversation possibly, but again, it seems unlikely, but. Where did, where did they take their deliveries? Because that would definitely be a heavier, you know, and maybe because if you go in front of it, you're going to slow down the buses. Just worrying about pedestrian crossings and pedestrians, you know, everything else of the, the traffic. But what happens if it goes, how much extra time would it take to go around? To here? Well, they've got to take their deliveries. Yeah. Um, and that's got to be heavy equipment. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. But taking through a parking lot or even going through the front, you're going to run into the pedestrian um, challenge for, for every bus. Yeah, yeah. And it will significantly slow down a route. Boris, yeah. may I ask, and this is just my inexperience, why do we need a neater road uh, turnaround? Can we not just turn north at 31st and Iowa or 33rd and Iowa? Is there a service? Are we servicing that area specifically or was it a functionality request? So we are serving the, I mean, their target itself is, is a destination that, you know, that is probably worth serving. So um, that's kind of the main argument to go through here. Um, however, that is the reason we went through there in the first place. For and sure. there's a lot of businesses through there onto the right side that we, we drop out a lot of people through right there. Mm -hmm. So so that's the that's the main argument. Um, I mean, I guess the Thank point you. could. I guess the point. I guess you could serve them from Iowa Street as well. There is a, a crosswalk here, so you know, if a, if a bus came up here, a person could cross here. That's, I think that's a reasonable uh, idea as well. Um, if you went on Iowa, potentially you could have bi-directional service. The challenge with bi-directional service then in this area is that on 33rd street, the Walmart and, and all the retail are here, nor, you know, on the north side. Um, if you had buses going bi-directionally, then people would have to cross 33rd. It's not a great street to cross either. Um, so this, it's, it's, you know, land use. Again, the challenge here is land use. You have a very automobile oriented environment that there's definitely a lot of destinations where people want to go to, but it can be tough to serve them um, effectively and safely with transit. So, so I, I think we'll think some more about this, but for now, it sounds like the idea of having this route uh, split into two um, and serving the Bob Billings hub is, is an idea worth pursuing. I may just offer one other thing to keep in mind with this and really any route that does the South Iowa loop. I know we get a fair number of requests and discussion for the kind of the same issue that Carol brought up about walking distance to and from Aldi, which is on the northwest corner of 31st in Iowa, kind of in an awkward spot. And the way this is now allows us to serve it a little bit more closely. We have, we have a couple uh, stops near 31st and meter. Um, if, if we kind of looped and went bi-directional, we would probably have more challenges trying to find stops, good stop locations out close to Iowa and 31st. So just something else to think about. Our target is a main 
you know, grocery and, and retail, but there's also a couple other groceries that people try to get to in this area. Okay, well, we'll revisit this when we, when we uh, discuss the scenarios. Um, we'll see what kind of creative ideas we come up with. All right, so let's move on. Um, the next route we'll talk about is 29. That's the other coordinated route. So that's 29. Okay, so 29 um, is a route that provides a, a link between KU and several off-campus apartment communities in Southwest Lawrence um, and, and through here. Um, in basically south of Clinton Parkway. We, let me see if I can turn on. Yeah, so if you, if you, if you look at the points of interest, you see there's a, quite a large cluster of apartment communities through there. Um, it provides fast and frequent service with easy to remember frequencies, um, simple and direct alignment. It's pretty, pretty straightforward alignment, not, not too circuitous. Um, multiple transfer opportunities and strong ridership, several trips carrying more than 30 passengers. Um, the weaknesses are low ridership after 8 p.m. The route runs into the 10 o'clock hour um, and the ridership really does fall off after, after eight. Um, it also has uh, some issues with on-time performance or it has historically um, with buses arriving early in many cases rather than, than late, which you know, early arrivals are still an issue. So some of the ideas to restructure this route or to consider truncating the route at the Bob Billings Transit Hub. Uh, again, like the previous route we talked about, um, where there's gonna be multiple transfer opportunities to get to KU, um, potentially using Castle Drive rather than Iowa Street um, to get to Bob Billings. And, and the reason to use um, Castle is because there are a number of multifamily housing complexes or apartments um, here along the Castle Corridor. They're not quite, they're not, they don't front Castle, but they're not far off. And then there's a few others uh, on the north end, uh, or at least one, I think, on the north end. So um, plus it's just a sort of more streamlined alignment to get people from these apartments as fast as possible to the hub to make a transfer to on-campus shuttles. Um, and then finally, any service at 8 p.m. Uh, would reduce, would improve the productivity of the route because it would reduce some of the un unproductive trips. Uh, any thoughts on taking this into Bob Billings? Or this is August. So I like the Castle idea when I saw this because there's not necessarily from Bob Billings to 23rd any housing per se other than KU properties and like you said there's a lot of residential areas served on Castle if it went from 20 from Clinton Parkway to Bob Billings okay all right any other thoughts I'm going to add that when we did have a safe bus route that went up Castle in that direction it did have people boarding there so I think that there's potential that people will change their travel pattern if they had a bus. Okay, very good. So we'll move on to Route 30. Okay, so this is Route 30. Um, again, it's a route that provides fast and frequent connections from KU to uh, a whole bunch of off-campus apartments. Well, two, two in particular. Um, it's, it's got strong ridership, 
on several trips and carries more than 30 passengers on several trips. It has good clock face frequencies um, and many transfer opportunities on campus. Um, the weaknesses are very little ridership north of the Union. So the, the route does continue further north, um, mostly just to turn around. But if there was another way to serve the Union, then, then that's something to consider. Uh, northbound buses, the, the other kind of safety, well, I, I kind of saw it as a safety issue. The other issue is that buses on this route, as well as others, do stop across the street from the Union. And so um, I can kind of imagine, I could be wrong here, but uh, sort of a flood of, of humanity crossing over uh, uh, across yeah, Orlean Drive, or maybe it's still Jayhawk. I'm not sure where it switches over, maybe Jayhawk Boulevard. Changes at 13th, okay. right north of that. Okay, so Jayhawk. So they there's a lot of folks crossing over and they have to cross in front of oncoming vehicles. They have to cross sort of in front of a bus. They can't maybe see what's happening behind it. So maybe it's not an issue, but but I just kind of noticed that as some potentially a challenge. Um, and then there are also some challenging operating environments along, along the route. So you have the Meadowbrook Apartments uh, here and there's two issues there. There's some uh, grade issues um, that can be challenging, especially during certain weather conditions. Um, there's also the buses are running through areas that have uh, parked cars. So that's, that's not ideal either. Um, so that's the Meadowbrook apartments. And then in these other apartments, you have a challenge of buses turning from 14th Street left onto Castled, um, and that's an unprotected left turn. So, so those are those are two, two issues to note. So the recommendations that we came up with or preliminary ideas we came up with, one would be serving the union from the backside on Mississippi Street. So you would avoid, so the buses would essentially open their doors toward the union um, on all trips, but that requires a turnaround. And the turnaround that I, I thought was feasible um, is, is that 11th? I believe that's 11, yeah, 11th Street, but um, I've been advised that that is also quite a steep grade, and so that that's a challenge um, for buses to be able to make it up that hill if that's how they turn around. Um, the other idea is to repurpose this parking parking lot, which is quite a stretch, I, I, I guess, um, but this parking lot could be sort of repurposed as a transit hub in, uh, in itself with buses turning around and then returning on Jayhawk. Um, maybe that's kind of pie in the sky, but that, that's another idea we threw out there. Um, so let's talk about those first before we talk about the apartments. Um, just any thoughts on is if, if that's even an issue of buses stopping on the opposite side of the union to let students out? Boris, this is quiz. I don't think it's an issue. Um, I mean, there is a crosswalk that goes across there. And I would, and Margretta would probably agree with me that the crosswalks in the middle of campus probably, you know, if, if we're dealing with the traffic that happens in the middle of campus, the crosswalk at the Union, it is less than that, in my opinion, just in general. But um, I think that crosswalk is fine. I can tell you repurposing that parking lot is probably pie in the sky. Um, just my two quick cents. Okay. 
I agree about the crosswalks and also when they rebuilt that section of the road, they actually added two additional crosswalks and redesigned the entire bus stop environment to have more space for the buses to spread out a little bit more so that there would be more room for people to cross safely. And I, I guess for me, the turnaround question uh, with the low ridership is maybe Ginger can weigh in on this, whether or not making the short turn at 12th uh, and the problem there is that there's a big road furniture in the middle of Oread facing the hotel at 12th Street. So I don't know how the left turn would be going. If you turn left from Louisiana to 12th and then left on to Oread, you can see there right under the line is the road furniture. Road furniture. There's a big planter in the center of the road, right oh, below yeah. the crosswalk. No, go down no. a little bit. Right there. there right I there. see. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that affects the left turn coming off of 12th, but the visibility is bad. At the T, you're going down in both directions. Mm -hmm. And so it's really difficult to see. And so right turns are generally safer there than left in my experience, but. So if you were to, okay, so if you were to make a right turn, you're saying continue up Oriad, make a right turn on 12th? No, Louisiana is one way. You would have to go on Louisiana North and then come back on Oriad. Okay. Do it what Margretta's saying right there, if you made that left turn right there, that would be harder than how yep. the, right, the red line is already designed to make the right turn. Got it, got it, yeah. Okay, so this one may just be, and something we'll, we'll have to s stick with um, this design. In okay. general though, Quiz, should we talk about the new visitor center and whether or not that's gonna need something in the Oread block for future buses? Yeah, I don't know what the design looks like. True. They're building a new welcome center next to the alumni center in their park. So right lot. where your hand is, if you go down a little bit, right that there. Perfect. Yeah, right there. Yep. Right there. Okay. okay. Got it. And it'll stretch all the way to Louisiana or? Mm, I don't know how much of the parking lot it's filling, but it's going to face Oread. Okay. All right. Good to know. Um, all right. So let's. Let's leave that for now and talk about these apartments. So with the Bob Billings um, facility coming in here, there probably will be- It'll be to the right. You're, on, you're in the left of the oh. intersection. It's this one over on the right. Oh, am I in the wrong place? You've, got, you've gotten too far to the left. Oh, okay. Oh, I see, I see. Yep, sorry, right here. Yep. So with, with the Bob Billings uh, facility coming in here at Crestline, um, they're likely, well, this is already a signalized intersection. This, you know, there, maybe there will be additional crosswalk opportunities. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if you guys know anything at this point about that. Um, but the thought process is maybe it's not necessary to go up Crestline to serve uh, all these apartments, rather, um, People could make their way across the street to the Bob Billings facility um, 
and we could eliminate this difficult to make loop. Uh, any any thoughts on that? Yeah, this is uh, <clears throat> this is Gary Weber. Um, I would encourage you to seriously consider removing that loop. The, I just completed a survey uh, and did crash data study of our neighborhood, which is Sunset Hill, just north of Bob Spilling, and and it turns out that Crestline is the most one of the most dangerous streets in the neighborhood, and that intersection with the university is one of the highest crash rates in the neighborhood. So it's, I, I, I really don't think it's much of a stretch to ask Meadowbrook students to walk out to Crestline to pick up a book, uh, walk out to uh, Billings to pick up a bus. And I would encourage you to remove that loop. Okay, good, good information. Um, and then what about the folks in these apartments? Uh, is it reasonable to eliminate that loop as well if we had service on Bob Billings um, potentially? So one one of the one of the uh, opportunities we identified was to basically make Route 30 kind of a short line of another route. So maybe a short line of Route 10 to provide greater frequency potentially from downtown through KU out to the Bob Billings facility. Um, but then there would be continued service on, on Bob Billings, maybe not as far as, um, sorry, maybe the, freak, the the highest frequency would be until the transit hub, but there would still be service further out on Bob Billings, um, which Bruce, then- can you pop up mm -hmm. the ridership data? Yeah. Because yeah. my concern is this route is one of our better performing routes at KU. And if we weren't doing this whole route redesign, it's one of the last ones that I would cut. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I, it's obvious a lot of that ridership is the Meadowbrook ridership, but mm -hmm. the distance to walk and the crossing the street from the existing bus stops at Bob Billings and Castle, I think we would lose all of that ridership. It would be completely gone once once we took it out of there. And so I'm mm -hmm. not a hundred percent sure that that's the best idea okay. at this point, unless you have some other way to serve castle along there. Well, yeah. is, that, is that loop, a, is that mainly a turnaround or are we serving the 1401 Apple Lane apartments? We're serving the apartments, Orchard okay. Corners and Apple Lane. And okay. then a bunch of people actually park in the church parking lot to get on the bus there as a park and ride, impromptu okay. park and ride. I mean, the church puts out a table of goodies at the bus stop during finals. This is <laughs> how much of a thing it's become for them. So, okay, thank you. Um, okay. So, yeah, so maybe we find a way to continue this. Um, I mean, the other, the only alternative that I, I see, if not, to go through here is to have a way to have some way to serve them both from Bob Billings and Castled. Um, it's you know, but both streets are fairly wide, and both streets are potentially you know, somewhat difficult to serve. Uh, I mean, not not to serve, but to cross as a pedestrian. Um, so, so yeah, maybe there's not that much we can we can do about this, but there, if we do do something, it may involve finding a way to, to provide servers on Castle as well. So. Ginger, do you have any opinions about that left turn? 
It's about the same as all left turns. <laughs> right. I mean, truly, I, mean, I know that was kind of a glib response, but they are truly just not the most yeah. friendly for any, any way around. Right. Mm -hmm. But, well, but it, we're not turning. Yeah. Boris, one of and, the, Mar Margaret has obviously pointed out the, the importance of the ridership here. Weren't we just looking at one of the previous routes to possibly, if it did go down Castle, could maybe catch this before it hit the transit hub? Uh, yeah, well, so the challenge is the pedestrian crossings because so if, if buses came up Castle and then turned onto Bob Billings, then these folks would still need to make their way down to, to that stop because it would be on the other side of, of Bob yeah. Billings. Yeah. That, that's the big challenge. It's just, again, land use. So there's a cross... This this intersection is signalized and maybe has crosswalks. No, not even. I mean, it. I guess it probably has cross lights, but maybe not marked crosswalks. But um, and then if a bus were coming up Castle and came in through 14th, then you have a challenge of ma of making a left turn. So any way you look at it, it's it's a challenging uh, situation. So. So we'll have to think about that. But for sure, this loop, I think we could remove, and then we'll just have to think some more about how to serve these apartments. All right, any any last thoughts on 30? Um, okay, so we'll talk about 34 next. Okay, 34. This alignment for 34 is actually um, a bit outdated uh, or incomplete. The, the actual alignment now, uh, I believe, goes uh, around to um, Fambro. So it, buses come down main, turn it on to Fambro, then they do kind of this loop uh, and then Jayhawk, and then they come back up to Fambro and up to main. So this is a little bit inaccurate, but it's close. Um, the strengths of the route still are that they it provides fast and frequent service between KU and off-campus apartments on 6th and 7th Street, so over here. Um, it has good, easy to remember clock face frequency. The route is now operating every 30 minutes. When we did this, the profile, it was 2040, but I think now it's every 30 minutes. Um, and there are many transfer opportunities on campus that the route offers. The downside is that it has the lowest daily ridership and productivity among KU routes. Um, there's no, there's kind of a small issue here, but there's potentially people can get off at Fambro uh, at a stop here, but then there's no opposite stop to, to go back. Um, people essentially have, would have to ride all the way around the loop to go back up main. So that's, that's maybe, although this is not a high ridership stop for this route. Um, and then there's also low ridership along 6th Street. So if we look at the ridership, uh, some of these stops are actually not from this route. It's just showing up, but the, there's stronger ridership on 7th than on, than on 6th. Um, so some of the ideas here, one idea is to interline the route um, with another KU route to create cycle times that can that are more flexible. In other words, right now the route's frequency is a function of its of its length. So um, it's every 30 minutes. Currently, 
um, because the route takes somewhere near 30 minutes to operate. If the route is interlined, um, what that means is you could connect this route to another route. So let's say 27, for example, then you can, a bus can do route 34 and then continue on route 27. That creates a, let's say an hour long cycle time. If you have an hour long cycle time, that, that means you can run service less frequently. So right now you can't really run service less than every 30 minutes, even though this route is one of the least productive routes in the KU system. If you had buses transitioning from one uh, doing more of like a circuit, so they do 34, sorry, 27 and 34, then you could operate hourly on both routes or every 30 minutes. If, if it's an hour cycle, you could put two buses on, you get 30 minute service frequency. So that's, that's kind of the idea behind interlines. So you could potentially interline this route with another one to reduce the service frequency. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, that's one of the main ideas that the other idea we had was the route currently operates counterclockwise um, on set on, if I'm not mistaken, it, yeah, I think counterclockwise where buses come out on, yeah, is, is that right, Margareta? It's, it's counterclockwise, right? Yeah, so buses yeah, go so on. it turns left onto 6th from Main and then turns left into High Point Apartments and then left on the 7th back to Maine. Right, right. So the, the, that is a little bit inconvenient given that there's so many apartments that are between uh, 7th and 6th. So if the buses were going clockwise, the, door, the doors of the bus would always open toward all the apartments. Instead, they're going counterclockwise, which requires people to cross the street. But the issue is this right turn would be difficult to make because of um, traf oncoming traffic on, from six, West 6th Street. So it's actually easier for buses to make a left turn in this case than a right because of visibility and because of just oncoming traffic. So that is, that is one of the ideas in the profile, but it may not necessarily be feasible. Boris, I was thinking you, we've been talking that left turns are more dangerous than right turns. So left turns are very dangerous if you are, um, let's say, pulling out of a parking lot and you have to cross two lanes of traffic. So you, if you have to turn left here, for example, then you cross in front of the path of traffic um, coming from 6th Street from the west heading east. But then you also potentially cut off some traffic heading from the east to the west. In this case, you only have to yield if you're making a left turn, you yield and you only have to you only have to yield to one lane to one direction of traffic because you're already in the westbound direction of traffic and you only have to yield to the eastbound oncoming traffic so that's in that's this, mm -hmm. in this location it's also about the visibility and the trees because that giant mass of trees blocks your view to the right and mm -hmm. and the direction of the traffic coming around on 6th Street makes it very difficult to see without doing some gyrations to, to Well, right, but if you're, if you're turning right, the trees right there shouldn't matter. Right, if you're turning right. Right. Um, yeah. That's true. I, it's more I, about I, it's, being able to see I, the people coming from behind yeah, you to the left. It's, it's a tough turn either way, be honest with you. I mean, because the traffic's coming so fast from that intersection 
that making the left turn, you've got to jump across there real quick. And I suppose if you were making the right turn, you've now potentially slowing down the traffic or possibly taking a chance of getting hit because the traffic's going so fast. Right. But if you're going right, you've got three rights and only one left on that turn and you could potentially serve more people. Mm -hmm. Can you point out which apartment complexes you've, thought weren't being served because as far as I know there's only one set of apartments inside of that loop other than high point so there's uh yeah so the, the here you have these guys where there's just more of them over here than over here so that's that's the first okay. one um, high, two is, the high point two is there as well high on point two Street. yeah right there on seventh by comment or lynch court okay and in, in addition, there's a multifamily uh, development occurring between Wisconsin and High Point as well in the old, hmm. you know, I, I, they start construction real soon. And where the Eagles was? Where the f old father studio was. That's no, down that, on 9th that's Street. That's right. You're down on, uh, never mind. Sorry. That's hmm. cool. I didn't know that's what was going in there. Yeah, but uh, there's, I think this is a complex here. Um, these over here, which again, they kind of stretch from seventh to sixth. So these aren't huge ones, but you know, and then of course, if you- I was just asking, cause I drive through there on my way to work regularly and, and yeah. don't, I mean, I know there's this one out at seventh of Michigan, but. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, so, Boris, the only other thing I would say on this real quick is that if you're saying that the ridership is low um, or one of the lowest, then it would be it would make sense to try to at least in the evenings, maybe change that to an hour loop instead of 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's kind of the main the main takeaway on this one, that um, if we could find a way to interline it and reduce the service frequency during low ridership periods, that then it would definitely um allow us more flexibility with the schedule. Okay. All right, well, that's 34. Let's move on to 36. Okay, so this is 36. Um, I sound like a broken record, but this links again, KU to uh, off-campus apartments, in this case, along 6th and 9th Street. Now you can kind of see them all, all along here. Um, it also provides links between off-campus apartments and retail destinations. Um, I'm not, you know, that's not the, the main reason for this route, but, but you do have uh, the Merck and Dillon's that people can access from this route. Um, it does have clock face frequency. It's mostly 20 minute service on the new schedule um, with a little bit of, I think maybe one or two 40 minute uh, cycles at the very end of the day. Um, and then many transfer opportunities. So some of the weaknesses are low ridership after six. The, the service currently goes to the 10 o'clock hour, but the ridership does drop off after six. Um, and then relatively low ridership west of Emory Road. So uh, this is Emory here. Uh, I guess Emory is like where you have like all the Greek houses and, and the like. Um, and you do have stronger ridership from campus through to Emory than you do for uh, points west of there. So some of the ideas here would be to interline as we talked about previously to give you more flexibility 
Um, again, right now you have pretty high frequency every 20 minutes um, and, or, or 40 because it's a 40 minute cycle. So you can either do 20 or 40, potentially with an inner, inner line, you could do 30 minute service as well if, if you needed to. Um, also ending the service earlier to reduce some of the unproductive uh, trips after six is, is something we have here. And then consider replacing service in the evenings um, with a demand response model. So in the evenings, there's uh, on several routes, there's kind of this point of, of diminishing return where it doesn't necessarily make sense to continue operating fixed route service because you're carrying uh, so few passengers per hour, like fewer than 10 passengers per hour. And, and that's like within the range that you potentially could serve with a demand response service instead. Um, and the last idea is if you could find a way to turn buses around, it may make sense to try to end this route somewhere along 9th Street uh, rather than going all the way to 6th. But it is a challenge to find a place to turn around on, on 9th Street. Um, I, have, I haven't found one yet, but that's that's an idea as well. It's the same it's pretty steep hill. Yeah, route 4 loop using Iowa. Iowa Harvard Centennial. Okay, probably use that loop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are some apartments out here. Um, it's just the it's some of the places where we're considering. You know, if where where we make recommendations to truncate a route, um, we we would find a different way to serve some of the places like on 6th Street. I mean, 6th Street is clearly a destination-rich environment. So there are both uh, apartment complexes out there, retail destinations, some medical clinics. And so we would still serve it. But it's just, the question is, does it need to be served by Route 36 or can it be served by a different route? Could it come up Lawrence Avenue instead of doing the loop over by Castle? Uh, could it come up Lawrence Avenue? Let's see. And and then and where? Can we come back eastbound on ninth? Can we pop up the ridership again? Yep. I'm curious what it looks like out there in that apartments. That's. Oops, sorry. That gateway. Yeah. So gateway. When we look at the ridership, you have thirty. Sorry, you have ten boardings uh, on our, on an average day at the gateway apartments. Average per day, not average per trip. Per day, per day, yep. 10 was the um, actually the cutoff for the color, color change. So if it was just below 10, it would be yellow. Sure. Now I was just curious because to answer August's question, the reason we turn around there is because there's a student heavy apartment complex right there. And I don't know <clears throat> how right. much the one rental. Yeah, how much? How many rentals are in that neighborhood along Lawrence Avenue and 9th Street versus single family homes where people are more likely to be going to school than to KU, for um, example? Like, yeah, I would. This, go, ahead. go ahead. This is Gary Weber. Um, Lawrence Avenue's tough. It's It's been a bone of contention within the neighborhood for a long time as far as speeding, and it's got it's got a number of speed humps between 6th Street and 14th Street, and there's still complaints to the neighborhood about speeding cars and that it would be a tough sell for the neighborhood to, to route a bus through there. 
Yeah, I think another question we need to consider is um, it, it could be if buses were not using this as a turnaround, uh, but they were if there was a bus available on Sixth Street for for students to get to KU, um, would people would they be able to cross and? It's at the moment, it, it doesn't look easy. There's a crosswalk there's, here. There's no crosswalk near the apartments. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, the next one is at Castle. This is a high speed US Highway 40, um, not good for pedestrian crossings road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that probably there is a reason to if, if there's a route along here that ends up connecting to the transfer hub, then it will probably be a lot easier to get students to do that for merchant service than having to go through all the neighborhood that 36 goes through. But the timing of the route is pretty decent, so I don't know if they're going to really care or want to switch. So when but, you say, yeah, when you say if you can go through the Okay, so if, let's see, let's bring up, all right, so if you could get them to here, um, then they could make a transfer, but to get them to here, you could either take <laughs> Castled, but if you couldn't really turn a bus around, you couldn't make that left, so you couldn't really get to Castled, so that's one one problem. Right. You'd have to use Crestline, potentially. Um, that one doesn't work, because there's... Um, really bad turn with some median furniture between sixth and ninth. Okay. Yeah. And but then nice also, try. <laughs> well, no, Crestline, well, no, Crestline creates two, another problem because you couldn't actually make a left if you're coming northbound. No, so that, wouldn't that wouldn't work. Um, Why so, we're on Rockledge. <laughs> yeah. So Rockledge does, does not cut through. So this is a, another tough one. <laughs> Something to consider is that, I mean, there will be fast and frequent connections from the Bob Billings hub to KU, but also from the downtown transfer area to KU. So I think it's probably more simple to take people along 6th Street to downtown, transfer back up to KU. If, if we assume probably out the same frequency downtown to KU, that there will be Bob Billings hub to KU. Right. And, but if a, if a route goes to downtown, then I think it becomes a tougher argument to say it needs to go into an apartment complex. I think city oh, no. routes, yeah. I would not expect it to do that if it was that way. I'm just concerned about how they would cross the street because there are bus stops here, yeah, but yeah. crossing the street is very difficult. Is this a, I mean, do you think that we, would there be any traction with, you know, bringing this to the city and, and, and trying to get maybe a, one of those um, pedestrian activated cross signals here. You know, the ones that are just blinking yellow unless somebody, or not blinking at all, unless somebody activates them. I think we should be <laughs> accumulating a list of these sites that the city should consider mm-hmm. improvements for pedestrians because pedestrian access, you have to have it to the bus. Mm-hmm. I know okay. through, there's some upcoming work to update the regional pedestrian plan um, and potentially through that process. I mean, I think particularly the Sixth Street corridor has a lot of challenges with infrequent safe crossing opportunities. Um, this is one example, but there's a number of others that we struggle to get people uh, 
to and from the bi-directional bus stops along the corridor. I think there's, I think Carol's right, there's a lot of, there's broad work that needs to be done for crossings. Um, but I think, I think we should, through this process, highlight the ones that we see as a challenger. You know, the, in this case, it seems to be like the one thing that, that prevents. Yeah, exactly. So we should have one missing element. Yeah, I have another far-fetched comment. Um, the west side of town is kind of suburban, mm -hmm. and we need to communicate this problem to the um, planning department. They need to discourage this kind of layout because you can't lay out a bus system in it very well. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th I, I definitely agree with you. And, and I think that there's some battles where we're like so close that we, it's worth fighting because I, I think like you do have good density and, and good kind of mix of land uses if you're just missing that one one bit. But the further west you go, where you have very large kind of suburban tracts where there's not really a mix of uses very much. I think in those cases, maybe you, you don't fight it, but instead find a different solution like a demand response service that could that could serve that kind of land use better than um, a traditional fixed route service. But I think this one is sort of just on the cusp where you could, if we just had that crosswalk, it would be a really great corridor. Well, there's a new development being proposed for just west of the South Lawrence Traffic Way, which is um, beyond Holcomb, I think. I'm not sure about that, Adam. But it's farther west, and we should start saying, mm -hmm. no, don't make cul-de-sacs, don't make dead end Bob, streets. Don't. It's at Bob Billings and is it? Uh, K10. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. We should start okay. giving feedback on that. Boris, one other thing I wanted to point out to this that we, we really didn't hit on, but I think one of the other routes we were looking at, you know, you mentioned, wouldn't it be nice if we could get it somehow to go up Emory Road um, and get the fraternities and sororities up in that area? This route does that. And, right. and so I just wanted to point that out, that that portion of the route does serve uh, those students that are considered off campus, although it's right next to campus. So there's at least one route that we have that services that area. Yeah, and it's a good point um, because we do have decent ridership, um, 43.5 passengers a day boarding there. So um, that's something, yeah, that's, that's definitely. Like 15 of them happen before eight o'clock in the morning because I usually pass a group of people <laughs> standing right at that corner every morning on my way to work. I, I wanna just remind us ourselves too that you know, the key routes have a slightly different purpose than the city routes and that is to get students to campus and so some of this if we're redesigning routes um, I'm working on the data request for student addresses so maybe part of the reworking of the system is to re-identify where students are living and making sure that we're actually serving those areas with the higher level of service when KU routes are in session, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to just focusing on retail, because retail isn't really the purpose of a KU route, even yep. though it is part of our overall purpose with transit. Um, the, the university routes are specifically tasked with getting students to class on time. 
Yeah, no, that's exactly right. That that that's, I think, part of the calculus behind um, you know trying to find a, a different place to terminate. Because yes, there are some apartment complexes out there, but it seems like students are not gravitating as much to some of those apartments um, as they are the closer closer in housing opportunities, at least in this part of town. Well, and that's the old argument, right? I mean, the further out you live you know, you probably have a vehicle, not everybody, but the, 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 the bus ride is so far for them that, or if they're deciding to live in an apartment that's that far away, they've, they've probably calculated that they have some for, form of transportation to get to class. Right. But, right. I also don't see the nest on any of these routes, like explicitly. Also, they're going to be building more apartments along K-10 from Walmart to Haskell. So that south, I guess, just straight south area of town is heavily student dense now. Or going you to be. know, we have a Route 11 goes right past there, but I don't know if we really have a stop that's close to that entrance of the nest. But the nest actually sends a private bus up to campus every day. And so I didn't know that. A, thank you. They and the Rock Rocklands. Rockland's have, in the nest, I think. Have and maybe the connection has a private bus that also goes up to campus. Okay. All right. Let's move on to 38. Route 38. Um, can I just make a quick comment slash question? Um, mm -hmm. this is Laura McCulloch for Route 36. Um, if Route 11 is changed as we talked about earlier so that it, it stops at the Bob Billings um, transfer facility. Then is Route 36 the only route that would have a direct service to a grocery store from the KU system? Um, I, I don't think so because, let me, well, let me think about that actually. Possibly, um, I think the answer to that is actually yes. Route well, 29 goes past Hy-Vee, but a direct connection from campus apartments to a grocery store is primarily on Route 11. You say 11 goes to Walmart if you count that as a grocery store. I do not. <laughs> not in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but they go past Dylan's. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, Jen, well, I know I think Walmart do, do count, but, um, it's still the point still stands that if you have uh, if, if route 11 doesn't go directly to campus, then then it does cut cut that off. But um, I guess, you know, with Bob, do you think it would be a are there a lot of on campus? Do you think there's a lot of on campus demand for grocery connections? And, and then if so, um, would a one would, would a connection at Bob Billings be kind of a deal breaker? I think that's a two-part question we should ask people, and I'm going to say yes. There are several apartments on campus that have people who are have their mm -hmm. own kitchens and are cooking for themselves. And Route 11 is going past both of them, mm -hmm. and people in residence halls can also cook some. Mm -hmm. They have devices, and I see people carrying groceries on Route 11 regularly. I don't know if that means where they're going, but... Um, I think Laura's question goes to access to food for those who don't have cars. And there are a lot of international students 
who live in Jayhawker Towers especially, but there are more of them living on campus than in previous years. And so access to grocery stores and to Walmart and Target really is pretty important to them. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. City route, I agree. City Route 10 would go across campus still, correct? Yes, but it's a lot further from that bus stop to the front door of their grocery stores. However, my comment here is going to be that we've been we haven't gotten to the circulators yet and I think mm-hmm. maybe the conversation that we're going to have about the circulators will also help answer the rest of this question about whether or not it's a deal breaker. So maybe we could yeah. have this conversation some more after we talk about how people will connect to the Bob Billings site with circulators. Yep. Okay. Good. Good uh, segue. So, okay, let's talk about 38 and Laura, we'll, we'll come back to that discussion. So I've written a note. Yes. Um, all right, so Route 38, so you have, again, this connection from KU, fast frequent connection from KU to off-campus apartments. In this case, uh, Stewart Avenue, which is here, and then um, apartments south of Clinton, so in this loop here. Uh, it's a pretty direct route, pretty direct and streamlined, simple route, uh, many transfer opportunities on campus. The issue with this route is that it operates, I believe, every 25 minutes. That's still the case. Um, yes. and, and so 25 minutes is a very strange frequency of service because <laughs> it's neither frequent enough to be able to just like toss the schedule and like just come out and, you know, bus will, will be there before you know it. But it's also not clock faced. So it's hard to memorize when exactly the bus comes because it just jumps around all over the all over the clock every hour. So that's that's an issue with it. Um, also, there's low ridership after six. This route operates currently into the 10 o'clock hour uh, or almost until 10 o'clock, um, but ridership really does fall off after six. So the opportunities here are to interline this route as we talked about previously, so that you wouldn't have to operate it every 25 minutes, but rather find a route to, to combine with to allow you to have more flexibility and run it every 20 minutes or every 30 minutes, but not every 25 minutes. Um, ending service after six seems that it would make sense as, as well, um, because the ridership does fall off as we, as we mentioned. Um, for this route, and one idea is to consider replacing the this shuttle and others um, at the point where ridership does fall off with a demand response service. So let's say that after 7 p.m., um, the fixed route service is replaced with a demand response. You could conceivably allow for that demand response service to make connections to some grocery location or a Walmart or, or a Walmart and grocery location. So people could... They may not be able to get to grocery store during the middle of the day, at least not without transferring or using a city route, um, but potentially they could do that later in the evening and maybe on weekends with a uh, on-demand type of service. So, uh, Laura, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm just mindful of, you know, like 
transferring um, increases the amount of time that people may have to wait and their food um, might spoil, like if you're carrying um, a temperature sensitive item or something like that. So I'm just thinking about like direct access um, for people who are trying to get groceries. The on-demand service might be a possibility, but right now if KU students are able to ride um, public transport for free and there's a cost related to the on-demand, that could also be a barrier to accessing food. So I'm just kind of thinking through some of those things. Really great points. Um, the the on-demand service would not necessarily have to have any different fare structure than the KU routes. You could have potentially more than one type of demand response service, one that was focused more on city, uh, you know, like Lawrence residents versus another that is anchored at KU. So it's possible that the KU anchored service could could kind of like safe, safe ride. I would love to not have more versions of service than yeah. we already have. <laughs> so let, let's let's think of it as a redesigned safe ride then. Yeah. There would be several humps to go over for that, but I think that's definitely one of the recommendations we should make is that we consider how to make safe ride be more expansive. Mm-hmm. And then one last idea, this, this loop does serve um, quite a few apartment complexes, but it is in, in a location that potentially you could maybe, you know, serve them, serve the Stewart Avenue apartments, and then get to Bob Billings um, and transfer. So that's, at some point, there's kind of this point where you know, you have to make the determination, like, are you so close to campus that forcing a transfer really turns off a lot of, a lot of riders? Um, and if so, where does that, what is that distance that, that, that you would consider, you know, so close that you might, you probably should just go directly to campus. Um, this route could also maybe go more directly to Bob Billings to speed it, speed it up to allow for a transfer. And then the Stewart Avenue um, apartments could be on another route, but uh, in general, uh, there's a possibility of of tying this area to the Bob Billings hub and then um, transfer opportunities there. This is Gary Weber. Um, it, since the ridership falls off in the evening, does 11 provide an option for people who want to go to South Iowa in the evening to shop or or whatever restaurants or food? This this route seems extremely similar to 11 in many ways, and perhaps if if it was shortened to daytime use only for to and from campus, that students could take 11 then if they wanted to go farther south. Uh, yep, I mean, so the 11 doesn't quite, uh, you know, it's not it's not quite analogous because it's um, on the other side of Iowa, <clears throat> but uh, you have you know other options. Uh, as well, so you have Route Five. That all of those residents are using Eleven yeah. and Five all summer long. We direct yeah. them that way, and so I don't think that's an outrageous idea. Mm -hmm. When well, nineteen forty-one Stewart Avenue is a large apartment complex. I'm talking about the one south of Twenty-third. Uh, yeah. Um, any thoughts though about so so that's I, I think Gary, your question is about getting folks to to the grocery stores, but um, what do you, any thoughts about linking them to the Bob Billings facility, um, either in a similar alignment or even maybe a more, more direct alignment, more streamlined alignment? 
to get to campus? Or Margareta, what do you what do you think about that? My honest opinion is that the Stewart Avenue people are not going to ride the bus if it takes them to the transfer facility. But I, I can see I'd that the 25th that. and Melrose folks out on the corner at 25th and Iowa Street are not likely to care. So if you could, or they'd be less likely to care. Mm -hmm. So maybe worth considering sort of decoupling these two markets. I think you could. I mean, I don't. I think. I think looking at the address data and being creative with each one to like maybe route eleven or some other route. I'm going to say thirty nine to pick a different number. Mm -hmm covers some of the things that we consolidate mm -hmm. from other routes to do that might mm -hmm. make sense. Um, as I was listening to you talk about this, I wondered if combining 25th and Melrose somehow with park and ride might be a potential to extend this? park. Yeah, I just, I keep, there's a light at Crestline and Clinton Parkway. And maybe that could be a creative use of buses. Actually, yeah, I didn't realize there was a light there. That actually could be an interesting approach. So it's hmm. the crazy idea that popped into my head while I was looking at your map. But that's so close. And with the light, it could maybe. I'm amazed that, um, yeah, I'm amazed that there is a light there. That's, I guess, the it's, traffic. It's for the park and ride parking lot. Yeah, it's yeah. for park and ride. One, this is Gary Weber. One more thing that that empty field there, just west of Crestline and south of, yes, that's that's been proposed for 350 bed, uh, probably student housing. Uh, they're going through the process of trying to get permission to plat it right now. So if that happened, there would be an additional mm. 350 beds of multi-family dwellings there. Okay, good to know. Boris, this is Quiz. Just two quick comments. One Margretta made earlier about students that might be like at Stewart Avenue. I think if students are traveling to the transfer hub and it's out of the way to campus, they won't they won't use the route. Mm -hmm. I think if students are on a route that just is going past the transfer hub on the way to campus, as Margretta said, I don't think they'll mind it. Um, but if it's out of the way, I think think that they might find another option. That's just the first thing. And then the second thing, I don't know that it matters, but I, you know, someone made the comment about students riding the bus, the city buses for free. The, does everybody on the call here know kind of how that arrangement kind of came to be? I don't know if it's applicable or not, but I thought it might might help just knowing why that why that um, agreement's even in place. And if everybody knows, that's cool, but. You can tell us briefly. Um, so it's my understanding, pre my time, but um, the way the city tracks ridership or reports ridership, the student ridership adds and gives the city some additional funding with increased ridership. That's my general understanding of it. And so because of that arrangement, it was made to let the students ride the city system at no cost because they were benefiting the city's budget by higher ridership numbers. 
Is that kind of accurate, Margreta or Adam? I'll add on that we had a reciprocal affair agreement when there were bus passes and we also charged a dollar to ride. And when we started coordinating and KU students passed a fee adjustment to increase their fee to become fare free, the reciprocal fare agreement that was in place continued and that ridership aspect of it and the reporting to NTD and helping the city earn uh, the stick funding was definitely, and STIG stands for small transit intensive communities. Um, there's a formula for how they receive some extra funds from that. And that but is the yeah, trade-off. It's, it's a pretty big amount, I think. But I don't know. I don't know amount. about that. Adam would definitely have to talk about that part, but that was where that originated in 2008. Anyhow, I just, because I know at some point budget stuff may come into play here and all of that. So I just thought I'd throw that out there, but. I think it's a perfect, perfect segue actually into 41 because 41 has a sort of a, a unique funding arrangement as I understand it. Not the same one that quiz you were talking about. This one is, yes. um, I think funded by parking dollars, is that right? That's correct. Okay, so, so this- It is this... the only route that is fully paid for from parking permit fees. Okay, so it, it connects the, the uh, park and ride uh, lots into campus um, with lots of transfer opportunities. Uh, it kind of does this big one-way loop. So, you know, the one-way loop is not ideal um, if we had our, our, our options because um, people who, let's say, get off on sunny side, then have to ride all the way around on Jayhawk before they can return to, to the parking lot. It's not a huge loop, but still, it's just uh, not best practice. Um, also, you have kind of the service ends fairly early. I think it ends uh, at 530. Is that still the case in the new schedule? Yes, but it continues as Route 44 in the evening. I'm going to remind you that we have evening service there. It's yep. just part of the bigger loop. Yeah, so the 44 is the kind of capture all campus type of evening service. The, the point of the service ending earlier is that, um, and why that's an issue, is some passengers will ride the route they know, and then they're hesitant to ride a route they don't know. So if the route changes numbers in the evening and it becomes 44, and a person is just like a regular rider of 41, they may or may not make that jump to the 44. Maybe it's not a huge issue, but, and, and it's probably less of an issue on college campuses than in the larger universe, but we, we do find that sometimes on, um, in other contexts that ridership doesn't transfer from a route to another route when the when the route number changes. Um, so the other thing is, okay, so separate funding, we talked about that. Um, so possible opportunities are, you know, to find a way to provide bi-directional service on Sunnyside and Jayhawk. The challenge here is, as I understand it, it is very difficult for buses. Buses can turn from Sunnyside onto Jayhawk, but they have a hard time turning from Jayhawk. That's onto... Sunflower. Oh, Sunflower. Sunflower. Sorry. Oh, right. no, no, no. No, no. Yeah. I meant Sunnyside. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sun... Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sunnyside to Sunflower. Sorry. You're right. So if they can turn from Sunnyside to Sunflower on their way to Jayhawk, but they can't turn from Sunflower to Sunny 
to Sunnyside. It, it, the, because cars are, if cars are stopped at this intersection on Sunnyside, then they block the bus's ability to turn left. Is that right? It can be very challenging. We've done that as a summer reroute through the years when Jayhawk Boulevard was being reconstructed or if there's some other road closure, but mm -hmm. cars have to back up to get okay. out of the way. Well, and you can go. And you can see that the left turn allows you to use the outer lanes. Mm -hmm. The right turn, you would have to use the inside lanes, which is much more narrow. Yeah, right. So, um, bi-directional service. Also off camber. So the bus sort of has a weird tilt to it when it does that. Yeah. Um, in general, how far is too far to expect people to get to destinations on Sunnyside? So if they were, if, if a bus, if there's a stop on Na Naismith, is that close enough for Sunnyside destinations or, or is that not an acceptable walk distance? No, I think that walk is okay. I mean, I even walk that far and I'm not the fittest person and students do that on a pretty regular basis. Mm -hmm. It's more about how to turn it around short of going all the way to that loop that is unproductive on Louisiana and 11th. So let's say that you had um, service from the parking parking park and ride lots here and he came along 19th street up Na Naismith and then went to Jayhawk Boulevard and turned around somehow like at the union or you know or past the union I mean would that be an acceptable acceptably close um distance then I think we should look at it I mean I think mm -hmm. that on miss, campus miss there the are a limited halls. number of streets Mm -hmm. And there's only so many ways you can go. And so I think the more ideas and things we throw out there for feedback, the better idea we'd have of how that would serve people. Right. The plus side to being where we are is that there are no lighted intersections. And if they went out 19th Street, they would be at the mercy of the 19th and Iowa light mm -hmm. and the 19th and Naismith light. And so mm -hmm. I don't know how in the high traffic times how route 11 does or route 38 does at those intersections but and there's now a third light in there that i keep forgetting at Alstall mm. and, a, and one I, at stewart and this this august route so i do like the 19th street idea because i think chris or gary was going to say that right now it's just going by housing the 19th it would hit the new business center it would hit um well the main I'm business sorry center. new business center yeah the uh, oh, you mean the school of business? School of business, yeah, sorry. There's no bus stop on Naismith between Naismith Hall and Murphy. So we would have to oh, I didn't know that. figure out a way to have buses stop at the when they're at the stop sign there at, at Schwegler Drive. That's a good idea though. I think we should talk about adding a bus stop at Schwegler. I'd like to find out too real quick just how many students may be catching that route up around Daisy Hill up there. Yep. Because yeah. if you bypass that completely, then you're, I mean, you're losing 3,500 students in student housing on that section. Anyhow, not to we say actually, that there are any, any I'm writing, but. We skip Daisy Hill in the afternoons because we want to force them onto route 43 on this route. And so Having it bypass Daisy Hill on the A schedule is a great idea, but that's how we have service when there's a B schedule. 
And so there's some A and B schedule um, considerations that maybe it's two different routes and it's not one route doing both things, but but right. just for proposals of what to do, there could be a version for classes and a version for not in classes. Right. I think quiz the, the, the key to your question is um, not as Daisy Hill serve, but rather does Daisy Hill need to be connected to the park to the parking uh, the, the park and ride lots? Because yeah, know, I think that answer is probably not so much. Yeah. So um, let me just finish running through this one, then we'll talk about serving the housing there in a second. Okay, so we uh, we talked about trying to get bi-directional service, um, also interlining to optimize schedules like we've talked about already before. Um, okay, yeah, and then potentially looping this into this campus-wide demand response idea. So let's move on to 42. All right, so 42 is this um, kind of figure eight type of service. So it, pro it, it connects a lot of important places on campus, um, but it provides also a lot of one-way service. So the rec center is, is kind of a, a really key destination, I think, here to consider. Um, people that get from the Daisy Hill area along Irving Hill Road anyway, if they get to the rec center, they can't get back to Daisy Hill without first riding all the way around the loop. So that's not probably the most appealing way to get around for, for a lot of people. Um, so one of the ideas here is to restructure this route in a way that it's linked to the Bob Billings hub and then from, from, the, from Bob Billings pass by Daisy Hill and then you know, potentially Get hit, uh, hit the rec center and then go up into campus that way and then Jayhawk to the union and turn it around somehow either turn it around like this or turn it around like like this but what that would do would it would link uh kind of the core of campus to the rec center it would link the resident the you know residence halls to the rec center and it would also provide an opportunity to get from the Bob Billings facility to the south side of campus, the other routes would, would go kind of to the north side of campus, but this gets people to the south side of campus pretty directly. Eventually it'll end up north as well, but sort of more direct to the, to the south. Um, so any thoughts on, on that? I wanna add here that all of the service on this route is one direction because we're going the same direction on Jayhawk Boulevard on both halves of the figure eight. And I want to point out that we did attempt for one year to eliminate the Sunnyside and Sunflower portion and just go up Naismith and bypass Jayhawk Boulevard. Students were pretty fired up, weren't they? And they all stopped riding. We yeah. lost so much ridership for that. That's why we went back to this figure eight. I like the idea of being creative with our on-campus circulators. I think I said it last week and I'll say it again for this group. I think we could be, we're very stuck in our ways with these because we only see one way, but I think with the new transfer hub, the possibilities for connections to make those better is really cool. and. If you combine all three circulators, we have 11 buses in service or maybe 12 right now during the A service. And that's a lot of service to be creative with. 
did you try to understand what the gripe was with students? Did, the why? reason is yeah. because they are parking in this parking lot by Cap Fed down in that little square bit in the rec center. Okay. And they want to go to their classes on Jayhawk Boulevard. And if we went to the fountain and went north on West Campus Road, then they all have a very long walk to where their classes were. And they all wanted to be going to Jayhawk Boulevard. They didn't want to be going to West Campus Road. So if we went on Jayhawk and then turned around, I mean, sorry, Jayhawk and served the union and turned around. Up, I think up that's, that'd be cool. I just wanted to say yeah. that service from the parking lot to Jayhawk Boulevard was a pretty important part of what we were doing. Yep. Okay. Understood. All right. So let's continue um, to 43. Sorry, this one's really hard to see. Let me actually just change this real quick to make it easier to see. Green does blend in quite well. Yeah. All right. So 43. Um, all right, so here, this is this is a really strong route, a very simple design, simply designed route. It's serving Daisy Hill, um, very strong ridership, um, so much so that it's potentially overcrowded. Um, but it provides really fast and frequent service between the Daisy Hill area and academic buildings, and as well as the Union. Um, it has the highest ridership among all the KU routes, strongest um, productivity. And um, the ridership is strong throughout the service day with an average ridership of 50 passengers per hour. Um, it's a really simple and direct alignment with lots of transfer opportunities on campus. Um, really the only downside is the potential for overcrowding and the early end of service. But again, it, it's not, there's a, there's a 44 that folks can use, but um, the name 43 goes away fairly early. So one idea here is not so much changing the route because it is such a strong route, but rather investing in uh, passenger amenities uh, on 15th Street, somewhere around here. There's a crosswalk on 15th Street right here. And um, because this route is so heavily used, if there was a shelter here, um, at least on the south side of the street, uh, buses coming from Bob Billings heading toward campus may be an appealing uh, appealing alternative to this route. If it's if it's so overcrowded, some students may choose to to walk from residence halls to 15th Street and catch a different bus if they have a better shot at um, you know getting a seat or finding a place to stand. So, any thoughts on that? Not really a route change. Okay. Not would too. real quick, Margreta or Adam, would that be fifteenth? Would that be city amenity on that part of the street there, or is that KU? Uh, might be one for each, because I think you'd want good amenities both directions to make that connection real practical for people and take advantage of that crosswalk. So you, I mean, Boris mentioned the one on the south side of the street. I do think you'd want to look at one on the north side also. It's a little more challenging over there, but I think you'd probably want to invest in both. I think south is you, and I think north is us. Gotcha. Yeah. I think the north side of the street may be um, an attractive option for, 
for people making connections to city routes at Bob Billings um, rather than going into the campus because, or sorry, rather than making connection from housing into the rest of campus. But yeah, that's what it looks like now. All right. I would, I mean, I just have a general comment as we talk through the circulators and think about that connection is that I think as we work through this, we'll just have to think very critically about the frequency of connection between Bobbling Sub campus and downtown. And we think about those grocery connections, but also just student connections to other areas in the city. I think uh, it, it'll make a huge difference if that, if that connection is available every five minutes versus every 15 at the, at the transfer hub, as far as transfer availability. If it's available year-round versus just one semester is in session, I think things like that will be critical uh, to think about if, if we want this to function kind of practically for, for students, not only to get to and from classes, but also the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's good. good point. All right, so I think next is the 44, which is the nighttime service. Um, it's this gold kind of gold line here. Um, so this is just uh, a service that operates late nights or evenings and late nights um, as a replacement in, in a way for several other routes. Um, it, it serves a rec center, it serves parking, um, academic buildings and, and the union. Uh, it's got clock face frequency and relatively high productivity at almost 40 passengers per service hour, but the ridership does, it is very um, sort of concentrated on the, in the early part of the evening, and it does fall off quite a bit uh, later, later in, the, in the evening. So another weakness of, of this route is it doesn't provide any weekend service. And, um, you know, there's just as there's evening and late night demand for, for service, there probably is Saturday, maybe Sunday demand for service as well um, in, a, in this kind of alignment. So that's that's a weakness, I think. Um, and then relatively low average ridership per trip, especially in the second half of, of the evening. Um, so some of the ideas here are to begin this this service later. In other words, take some of the other routes that, that sort of are meant to you know, transition to this route um, and make that transition a bit later in the evening to allow more hours of service on, on the kind of original route numbers. And then find a point of diminishing return where you have ridership per trip kind of below 10 passengers and maybe then make that transition and potentially do it as a demand response service uh, rather than a fixed route service and run demand response service into the late evening hours uh, as well as on Saturdays, maybe even on Sundays. Any, any thoughts on that? Adam, Adam, do you have any, um, has there been any more discussion on if it, you'd be offering service on Sundays? Uh, I think we need to have that discussion as part of this group, and I'm hoping we see that manifest in service scenarios. Um, I, mean, I think we both, Sunday service and uh, fare-free service have come up so much that I think we want to include that as potential and uh, in what, in what we hope to do. 
Right, uh, that is the last route that we're gonna talk about tonight. So any any other thoughts? Um, if, if not, then our next step is to take uh, the feedback that we've gotten and start to combine some of the ideas and the route profiles into these two service scenarios. Okay. Well, thank you all for all the comments then. And uh, we have 20 minutes to spare. All right. Have a good night. Thank you.